G'day, and welcome to For Safety Sakes. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Tech Resources. In this episode, we'll be discussing the transport industry, the effects of fatigue, and the chain of responsibility. Hi guys, it's Lydia Halim again uh, for today's podcast, um, accompanied uh, by Troy Cuff and David Carter. For today's topic, uh, we are going to um, talk about the transportation industry, the industry that drives Australia, and we believe it is an important um, uh, subject to talk about as uh, there are many, many um, safety-related um, topics that we could um, sort of uh, discuss. And um, to start with, um, Troikov, um, would you like to um, read the, the what's the latest statistics that we have in terms of fatalities involving uh, heavy vehicles? Okay, it's quite scary, you know, and, and, and as, as Lydia has um, ascertained before, that... The backbone of our, our society and our functions is the transport industry. You know, we rely on transport industry so much to, to, um, you know, to, to ferry our goods to and from states and so that we can supply. But the saddest thing is, and, and, and it's a hardened heart we're talking about now, and so during the last 12 months, ending in March of 2019, 163 people died from over 147 fatalities that involved heavy heavy trucks. So these include the 93 deaths from 84 crashes involving articulated trucks, 77 deaths from 69 crashes involving heavy rig trucks, and seven deaths from six crashes involving both heavy rigid and articulated trucks. So the fatalities are there and mm. we want to talk about some issues in relation to those fatalities and, and hopefully, hopefully we can address, the, address these issues mm. and make a change. So um, I'm, I'm gra- grateful to have uh, David Carter here with us again today and um, David's passion is road safety and, and, um, um, and, and so is mine and the end result is we want to want to stop it you know these truck drivers need to go home they need to go home this family this family's relying and and depending on them and and that's what we're doing this about this is what this is all about you know so the couple of areas we want to talk about one is fatigue and the other one is chain of custody so i'll pass it over to dave dave can talk a little bit about fatigue he is uh, pretty much considered the guru i go to in relations to fatigue um and in relations to transport uh, issues so aha uh-huh. Pass it over to you, Dave. All right. Well, um, hello, everyone. Personally, I wouldn't call myself a guru, but um, all that said, we need to understand that there are certain rules with respect to fatigue and fatigue management, particularly with heavy vehicles. Now, um, first of all, the the smaller and middle-sized operators um, whom we've been targeting recently, uh, with, particularly with our podcasts, and um, th- these people really need to understand that they, if they are not under the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, they come under the Work Health and Safety Regulations and the state 
um, regulations, the, the state legislation for road transport. Um, so it, it may be the, um, the um, Road Transport Management Act or something of that nature, depending on what state they're in. However, um, I'm just going to focus very briefly on the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator. Now, all of this information is freely available um, simply by Googling um, things such as basic fatigue management um, under the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, NHVR. Um, if you're interested in chain of responsibility or work diaries, fatigue management exemptions, fatigue monitoring trials, personal use of a fatigue regulated heavy vehicle, it's all there. All you have to do is to Google it. In simple terms, um, there are two tables um, that have been put out by the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator. The first one is, uh, it's a basic table which applies to solo drivers. Now a solo driver, um, in any period of six and a half hours, they can work for six hours, and then they must have 15 continuous minutes of rest. If it's nine hours, they can have eight and a half hours work time and 30 minutes rest in blocks of 15 continuous minutes. So they can have two 15 minute rest breaks. 12 hours, they can, they're only allowed to work 11 hours and have 60 minutes continuous rest in blocks of 15 continuous minutes. Sorry, 60, 60 minutes of rest in 15 minute continuous blocks. If it's 24 hours, they're only allowed 14 hours work time and they must have seven continuous hours of stationary rest. They're not allowed to even get behind the wheel. And then over seven days, it's 36 hours um, and th there's no limit set on the amount of rest. And 14 days, 144 hours of work time, um, 24 hours continuous stationary rest time taken after no more than 84 hours, 24 continuous hours stationary rest time and two night rest breaks plus two night rest breaks taken on consecutive days. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of depth in there. That's for solo drivers. Now, if they're two up drivers, um, for in a 24 hour period, a drive, one driver must not work for more than 14 hours um, and there's no limit set for their rest breaks. 82 hours, no limit has been set for the amount of times at this stage for driving, but they must have 10 hours continuous stationary rest time. Seven days, 70 hours of work time, 24 hours, um, 24 continuous hours stationary rest time, 24 hours stationary rest time in blocks of at least seven continuous hours of stationary rest time. Then over 14 days, 140 hours of work time and four night rest breaks. Now, given the fact that we've had so many um, heavy vehicle related fatalities, it leads one to suspect that there's a very high likelihood that fatigue plays a major role. And that's why the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator has become involved in this. And th this actually, um, applies especially to the long distance drivers. However, if the, uh, if the drivers who are driving shorter distances are applying those rules, then there's less likelihood of them suffering from a fatigue related uh, injury resultant from a vehicle crash. Um, I cite the case of 
a, um, a heavy vehicle low loader driver who came from um, somewhere down the central coast of New South Wales. He'd been in Brisbane, he'd driven down there and he'd driven back and he'd got as far as from memory, I think it was Grafton, he'd run out of hours and his employer demanded that he continue driving and if he didn't, he would be in danger of losing his job. Now, the, the situation is in that circumstance that the owner of the company was totally in error and if that was under the National Heavy Vehicle Regulations, then th there's no way in the world that would be allowed. Um, if that driver had had a crash, then it would have come back on the owner for making that requirement, but it would have also come back on the driver because he was out of hours on his logbook. Now, keeping in mind that also drivers who are driving um, for a smaller operator and driving around locally, they, either the driver or the owner will be keeping a record of their hours so that they must keep that record. If it's under the NHVR, the National Heavy Vehicle Regulator, then um, there's things such as electronic work diaries and record keeping requirements, which are set out by the regulator. And that's all available on the net. Anything else is available through the um, Department of Transport and Main Roads in Queensland and equivalent regulators throughout the various states. So that's um, a nutshell encapsulation of what the driving hours and, dri and permissible driving times are. Now, I have one other point that I would like to make, and that is that if anybody has been driving for a continuous period of more than um, 18 hours, or they've been awake and working for more than 18 hours, and then they jump behind the wheel and they drive, their um, reaction times are going to be the equivalent of a person who has a blood alcohol concentration of 0.05. That is clinically proven. So uh, they're going to have diminished reaction times and as a consequence, they're a danger behind the wheel. And, 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 and you know, it's very much the case, isn't it? And, that, and the thing too is that uh, we face a lot of these fatigue issues and particularly when people working remote with drive in drive out and particularly where they will complete a 12-hour shift and then get behind the wheel and end up heading back home and they could end up reaching over that 18-hour period so it is a very big issue not just for only the transport industry but for most industries and when you look at it and drive in drive out a high percentage of the fatalities in those type of industries are transport related getting to and from site so it is a very big issue and, and one that you know, it, it's good that we're having a chat about David. Um, you know, and I guess coming down to it, you picked up a very good point. This um, talking about the owner of the of the company um, is responsible. And when we look at the chain of custody, everybody is responsible from the owner right down to the persons who actually engage them. Mm. So in the transporter, if they're requiring someone to pick up an item, then again and they need it delivered in a certain period of time then they need to take that into account how many hours has it taken for that contractor to get to where they pick up the supply and how long is it going to take them to get back um it's interesting we had a um a seminar on the gold coast and we're talking about the transport industry with the um 
Public Health and Safety Queensland, um, and and there are a lot of topics brought up about that, and a lot of issues in relation to the chain of of custody. And I made an interesting point to them, and I said to them, "Look, you know, um, those person expecting that supply to deliver right. the the goods yeah. are responsible mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they need to be accountable, and they need to be happy in themselves that this person's had enough rest. I know it comes down to the onus back on the owner or the or the person that's that runs the transport company, but it does come back down to the person mm-hmm. actually supplying the goods too." Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure that those people are meeting their requirements. Yes, and um, I may make one other point there too, and that is that um, there's a lot of misconception, a lot of misunderstanding among drivers and among um, transport company owners with respect to um, if they're actually driving, um, what, what their driving hours are. Now, driving hours includes servicing the vehicle, fueling it up, checking it, inspecting it, loading, unloading, tying down loads, tarping down loads. That is all Mm. driving hours. Mm. So it it must be considered to be driving hours and not just those hours behind the wheel. Yeah, yeah. And the the other thing that I would like to touch on and uh, um, I know a lot of uh, heavy vehicle drivers feel very strongly about this, they're, they're very passionate about it, and that is they're regulated, but what about the light vehicle drivers? Now, um, mm. I've done a lot of long distance driving in light vehicles over the years, and one of the things that I believe very, very strongly is that you stop and have a break after every two hours. Get out, have a 10 or 15 minute break, have a 20 minute break, have a walk around, have a drink of water, Find a, uh, find a place where you can go to the toilet if you need to. Um, for those who have smokers with them, um, then those smokers are going to want to um, stop after every two hours and get out and have their fix. Mm-hmm. Mm. So um, that, that's a good way of regulating the driving times. If you've got a, a number of drivers, then obviously you can stop, swap drivers and continue on. But then after a period of four or five hours, you really need to stop and have a break. Um, I, I, I don't believe in and I don't agree with these people who jump in a car in Brisbane and drive direct to Cairns, uh, stopping only to refuel and get food. That's they're endangering themselves. They're endangering everybody else on the road. Mm. And now I know over the times that there's some many places I've worked, David, and what they've done to have manage this fatigue is particularly being fly and fly out, is that they have designated stops. So, like for example, if I flew into Brisbane and I lived on the Gold Coast, um, they set up a designated spot on on the way down, and they'll give us vouchers, and that was one way that they control it. Mm. So. Um, you had to stop, you had to use your voucher. And if you didn't use your voucher, when you go back on site the following week mm. for your normal shift, you were held accountable for it. Why didn't you use your mm. voucher? Mm. Um, so that's one way that they help to minimise the risk, particularly in, in transportation, move people moving from from uh, Brisbane down the Gold Coast after completing you know, mm. an 11-hour shift and then a, a two-hour flight. Um, so it's one way of controlling. So maybe that's something that someone out there may want to uh, invest in. You know, it doesn't cost much, but um, that small voucher of getting someone to actually stop and using the voucher, um, they use BP, and so they stopped off at BP at Yatla, 
and you had to get out of your car, you had to go and buy a cup of coffee or buy whatever you want to do with those vouchers, but it made people actually get out of their car and move around and yes. and, and 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 actually get up and yeah, therefore less less likely to be fatigued. So it was a really good win win for them. Win-win for the employees and also win-win for the employer, making sure that they mitigate their risk in fatigue management. So that was an interesting one that I ran into. Mm. A final, just one final one that I have is, um, I believe that companies can invest very, very strongly if they invest in an in-vehicle monitoring system, mm. an IVMS. Um, I, I'm a great believer in IVMS. A lot of people have the attitude that it is, um, Big brother watching over you. However, I've seen the benefits of it, and one of the benefits of in-vehicle monitoring systems is that they can um, they can regulate the in-vehicle monitoring system, depending on what type what type of system they get, what um, what brand, etc. And I'm not going to push any particular brand. However, um, they can um, regulate the driving hours, and and they can check the driving hours of the drivers through that in-vehicle monitoring system. They can also check whether they're wearing seat belts or not. Mm. And they also can check whether there's been an increase of acceleration, a sudden braking or a sudden swerving. So yes. it picks up so many other benefits for them. Um, I know in other mine sites, they use other uh, ones as well, which can actually pick up whether there's been any movement in, in rapid eye movement in, in, in a person driving a, a heavy dom truck. Um, and if, it, uh, if there is, then it alerts um, somebody that there may have been someone ha either having a micro sleep or they've been a little bit fatigued. So there are so many, many, many things out there that can help. So, yeah, so there's plenty of things out there to help us. Let's, the purpose of this, guys, is to have a chat about it. I want to reduce fat fatalities. And one of the major fatalities in this year is we're, we're tra transport fatalities people coming to and from work going to and from work and even the ones that are transport on the road so it's a big issue um and we really need to to look at it and address it so yeah um so in in terms of what um you could um offer um if anyone has any questions about um how you could help them how they can do that or get, you can get in contact with TAC Resources and um, we can certainly direct you in the right way. Um, I'm sure David's here to answer any questions that you may have. We can certainly provide um, whatever assistance is required mm -hmm. to um, connect you with the right people to be able to ensure that you're compliant. Yeah, yeah. So I hope um, the advice from uh, David and Troy um, has uh, brought a bit of a... Um, ideas on how we can have um, at the end of the day a win-win situation where um, uh, as the business they need to meet the customer demand where the goods need to be delivered to a certain period but yet as the uh, transport industry can also um, uh, drive uh, employ the driver um, and, and still um, 
um, meeting the, uh, <laughs> the safety requirement. And with the um, solutions that, uh, just a, an example of solution, which is the voucher, and also David mentioned uh, in-vehicle uh, monitoring systems that could probably be something that uh, you can look at. And um, yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to contact us and um, uh, David and Troy can be uh, contacted um, in our emails, info at tacresources.com. All right, guys, I hope that's um, been um, um, useful for um, you guys. And yeah, thanks so much for listening. And until next time. Bye-bye.